Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the Roy Green Show podcast. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, why would Justin Trudeau urge Canadians to reflect on our own behaviors after he's the one who's been accused of sexual misconduct? Michelle Rempel engaged in a heated exchange with liberal status of women minister Marion Monseth. You'll have to hear why. Is the Canadian government funding and supporting terrorism front groups with your money and mine. And what do the beauties Catherine Swift, Michelle Simpson, and Linda Leatherdale think of the stories of the week? That's all on today's podcast. Host media columnist and author Candace Malcolm on the Justin Trudeau, British Columbia, 18-year-old sexual misconduct story. Well, hi, Roy. First, hi. thanks for having me. I think a lot of Canadians are just sort of left confused and probably disappointed with our prime minister. I mean, he had an opportunity to apologize, to to, to set the record straight. Um, but instead, what we saw, I mean, he, he was sort of warming his way out of it. He again doubled down on this idea that he didn't do anything wrong and that everyone just experiences things differently. Well, you know, that's all a bit rich coming from the person who has championed the Me Too movement and said all along that women must be believed that you know, zero tolerance for men who behave inappropriately. Uh, we've seen, you know, I think five or six members of his own caucus be kicked out uh, for things that Trudeau deemed were inappropriate. And then here we have him, you know, skirting responsibility, refusing to really even say what happened, refusing to apologize, and really leaving us with more questions uh, than answers. I mean, he contradicted himself. At first he said that there was nothing that was inappropriate that happened, and now he's saying he apologized on the spot. Uh, the reporter told us that he apologized the next day, though. So, again, there's still many questions uh, that need to be answered. And I, I don't think Trudeau did himself any favors uh, with that press conference that he gave. No, and he was asked whether he expected there would be um, any additional um, stories brought forward. And he said, well, no, I've always been very careful the way I've lived my life and went on at great length about that. So we really were talking about a man who put himself above all, really put himself above other people and, and was very pious in his approach toward his relationships with women and where how he respected women. And here he has been dodging as much as possible. To me, it appears, he's been dodging the truth. And uh, it was deliciously ironic today, Candace, that he went for breakfast with Kent Herr, of all people. Right. Well, exactly. Kent Herr is one of the people that he kicked out of his uh, cabinet, kicked out of the inner circle, for, for something that seemed to be pretty similar to what happened with Trudeau. It was an incident that happened, I think, over a decade ago, um, and, and Kent Hare was accused of something. He said it didn't happen. And regardless, you know, the, the woman in the instance was believed, and Kent Hare was kicked out without any kind of recourse or due process. And so for Trudeau to all along champion this issue and all along 
be the defender, uh, you know, of, of women who are in a situation where they make accusations. And then here he is at the subject of one, and he, he really can't come to terms with it. He can't grasp it. He tried to blame Canadian society. He said that this is something we all collectively need to learn from. Well, Roy, I don't know what you and I have to do with it or the rest of the Canadian public. This is something that Trudeau has done. He has to live with his consequences. And if he held himself to the standard that he set for his caucus and that he set uh, for, for all of us, well, he should have resigned. He should have stepped down. That's, that's, that's what he did to others. And of course, he's not going to do that. But for the, the way that he wiggled out of that, uh, making any coherent answer or, or even, you know, making sense and not contradicting himself, I think, I think he really got himself into, into even more trouble with the way that he was responding and, and shirking responsibility yesterday. Uh, agreed. And I find it disturbing that women within the Liberal Party caucus have not stood up. No one has stood up and challenged Justin Trudeau. And I remember, and I tweeted the story out uh, last night, when he attended the mosque in uh, in Ottawa in 2016, and he required three members of his caucus, three women members of the caucus, to enter the mosque by the side door, remain segregated from the men, and uh, talked about how happy the sisters uh, downstairs were, or upstairs, wherever they had them. So, so there's 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 so many inconsistencies as far as this man is concerned. But he put him puts himself ahead and beyond everyone else. And I would like to see uh, at least one woman within the Liberal Caucus stand up and say something that is challenging to Justin Trudeau. Patty Haidu, the Haidu, the employment minister, uh, has backed him and said she's proud of him. I mean, where do you get that from? How do you get being proud out of him, out of what's happened? I can't, I can't even begin to understand that. Yeah, this is a bizarre, the bizarre world of feminism. We're seeing that there are sort of differences among equals. And, and, you know, we've seen hints of it in the past where you know, Trudeau does champion women's issues. But then when there are women's issues that come up in immigrant communities that he is also working very hard to befriend, he, he, you know, he doesn't have the courage to call them out for segregation or mistreatment of women. And now, again, you know, there's nothing to be proud of over this whole situation. Uh, Trudeau's caught himself in a contradiction. Again, we don't even really know the details of what happened at this music festival now 18 uh, years ago. Um, but we do know that, that something happened, that there was something to do with groping. Um, you know, the woman who put out the statement who was the uh, victim in all this, she, she doesn't want to talk about it any further, but she did confirm that it happened. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, Justin Trudeau, who has just really earned so much political capital, speaking on the world stage, uh, earning so much uh, credit from international media for being a feminist. I think that's why this story has caught on so much. It's, it's making headlines all over the world. It's, it's the subject of stories, you know, in Europe, in the United States, and all over the place. Um, you know, you see the liberal uh, cabinet ministers and, and caucus, they probably don't know what to do. Uh, all of a sudden, their feminist hero and champion uh, ha has fallen down with so many others who have been accused. And uh, again, yeah, there's really nothing to be proud of here. I think Trudeau needs to offer a better explanation and not try to blame it collectively on all Canadians. Yep. Uh, take some responsibility and, and explain what happened and, and what you're going to do about it. And anybody in that caucus who believes that they need to support Justin Trudeau, I would suggest should uh, revisit their own principles. Now, there's, there's one other thing. I don't want to keep you too long. There's one other thing I want to play for you. 
And, uh, and that is Justin Trudeau after he's meeting with Ontario Premier Doug Ford. And he belittled the, uh, the Premier of Ontario. Here's what he said. It didn't seem to me that the Premier was quite as aware of our international obligations uh, to uh, the, uh, the uh, UN Convention on Refugees uh, as he might have been. So I, I spent a little time explaining uh, how the asylum-seeking system works and how our, our, uh, our, uh, our, our system uh, is supposed to operate. Uh, but at the same time, I, uh, I uh, agreed that it would be good for our officials to sit down and get clarity on how we can actually work together uh, to ensure that we are uh, holding true to our values, but making sure that our immigration and, and refugee system is being applied in its integrity. Cheap shot. Just a cheap shot, Candace. Well, it was very condescending to hear the Prime Minister say that he had to explain something to the Premier, especially when it came to immigration refugee, because, Roy, let me tell you, this is the file that I follow the closest. I've been writing about immigration issues for many years now. And, you know, to hear Justin Trudeau say that he had to explain the rules to someone else, I mean, it was pretty arrogant the way that he said it, but... I mean, come on, Justin Trudeau has been so clueless on immigration. Remember, he pledged to bring in 25,000 Syrian refugees on a rush timeline without knowing anything about the national security threats, the integration programs, all the local officials on the ground were asking for a pause. Then we had Justin Trudeau send out his tweet uh, saying that the world was welcome to come to Canada. We, uh, through an access information request, we found out that uh, government offices all over the world were, were, were met with chaos and confusion after that tweet. No one knew whether Trudeau was changing the rules. There was a flood of applications. There's been over 70,000 uh, asylum claims and illegal um, entries into Canada since that tweet was sent out. So it's pretty rich to hear Trudeau uh, on his high horse there talking down to the Ontario Premier uh, about an issue that he's been totally clueless about. And really, he's created the mess that we have in Canada. Canada used to be the gold standard for immigration, and the system's pretty much a mess right now. There's a two-year waiting list just to have a refugee hearing. So I, I was pretty surprised uh, to hear Trudeau react that way um, after his meeting with Doug Ford there. Yeah, I was too. I expected something, but I didn't expect him to be so directly rude to the uh, new Premier of Ontario. Candace, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right, thanks for having me. Take care. Visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play now and sign up for the Roy Green Show podcast 100% free. 100% Roy. Conservative Party of Canada MP Michelle Rempel engaged in a heated exchange with Liberal Status of Women Minister Maria Monsef on Twitter. There is an awakening going on, and uh, uh, we need to take opportunities to continue to reflect on it. This is something that I've been uh, involved in for well over 20 years in my student activism and in uh, in the outreach that I've done, uh, and there's always more to do and more to reflect on. So this is the day after Mr. Trudeau issued that and uh, other parts of a statement in response to the um, to the statement that uh, came from the reporter, who was groped by her description by Trudeau 18 years ago in British Columbia. Michelle, thank you very much. I know it's a busy day for you with the Stampede. Thanks for joining us. When you hear Trudeau say those words, how do you respond? Well, I'm going to take my partisan hat off for a moment um, because the issue of sexual harassment and addressing it in an appropriate venue 
is not something that should be partisan. And and frankly, if we're going to make it partisan, all three political parties have had serious incidents uh, over the last several years. So, you know, and I've actually gone out and when I've seen it within my own party, addressed that publicly. So I want to put partisanship aside for a second uh, to to, to make my comment to you. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, I think it was three years ago now, it was right before the election, when there were two uh, NDP MPs who had, my understanding is is that they went to their their party because there were some issues uh, in this vein that they had with uh, members of the Liberal caucus. And their only desire, as far as I understand it, was just for the Liberal Party to be aware of this. They didn't want it to be outed. They didn't want this to be a big public deal. They just wanted the Liberal Party leadership to know what happened. And Justin Trudeau, in that moment, did the exact opposite. He gaslighted these women, came out. Um, you know, he did remove these guys from caucus. And, you know, in the, in the years that have ensued, if there's been one thing that's been consistent, it's been Justin Trudeau really standing on a platform saying, I'm a feminist almost like a commercial platform, you know, and, and when he's had to deal with these allegations in the, within his caucus, he's, he's ejected people from his caucus. So I find it completely ex- unacceptable that a ma- this is a matter of public record. It would have been different if this woman had never come out and there was never a, a matter of public account, because I do re- believe that her, her needs and her privacy needs to be put forward first. It, it, that needs to happen. But the reality is, is that we don't have good processes to deal with sexual harassment allegations. Uh, we don't have anything that protects the rights of victims, and we have nothing that protects um, uh, people from vexatious complaints. So the only recourse right now is litigation in the media, and she chose to do that 20 years ago, and that is her right. Okay, it's not the like litigation in the media. I don't think is is, is appropriate. But now, because it's a matter of public record, for the prime minister who has spent all of this time gaining political credibility. On, taking, on putting together a certain framework on how things are to react in a situation like this, his response was completely unacceptable. And frankly, his response, his, you know, uh, you know how I would kind of like, distill it is, well, I don't think anything happened, so everything's okay. That was his initial response, or I don't remember anything. I don't remember that anything happened, so clearly there isn't anything wrong. He could have come out and said, because according to this article, he had apologized. He could have said, look, something did happen. It happened a long time ago. I did apologize. I'm contrite for that. Uh, and if this woman is still, if, you know, if she is still carrying an issue here, I, I would subject, subject myself to the same process that I put forward for everyone else. But I respect her and her privacy. But he didn't do that. He looks like a hypocrite on this issue. And I... I am, I'm coming at this not as a partisan, because, frankly, if he had done that, I probably would have applauded him as a conservative, but he didn't. I'm coming at this from a woman who's really sick of talking about this issue over and over and over again. I'm sick of the media saying that, you know, by us talking about this, we're re-victimizing the woman. By him having hypocrisy and not dealing with this appropriately, he's done that. He should not be left off the hook here. Nobody should, of any political stripe. Uh, and I'm just deeply frustrated. Um, and I think, if anything, this whole escapade has actually set the Me Too movement back because what it says to women who may have had an issue with somebody who is publicly adored by the media or whoever is that, well, maybe my complaint doesn't matter because if they said that they think how this transpired didn't occur, then everything's going to be okay. And that's the message that he sent, and that's wrong.
And it was so eloquently said, really, uh, it, couldn't, it couldn't have been said better than you just explained the situation for what it is. And I will add this addendum. It is so disappointing that the women who support Justin Trudeau, the women who have supported him uh, enthusiastically for the last several years particularly, and the women in his caucus are just accepting what Trudeau has said. They're actually applauding him, as the employment minister has done, saying that he has handled this extremely well. That's ex- that is so disappointing because that also sets the Me Too movement back because if women realize that other women are not only not going to say anything, but those who do will actually support the man who's accused of being the groper, that's such a negative, negative um, visualization, Michelle. Well, it's not just the women in his caucus that need to be let uh, put on the hook on this. It's the men in his caucus. It's his entire caucus. Look, I have lived through standing up in the House of Commons and criticizing my own party on this. And you know what? We need to have these... Feminism isn't easy. Feminism is easy when you... I'm going to rephrase that. Standing up for the rights of equality of opportunity for all persons is easy when you can politically capitalize on it, and there's really no cost to doing so. It gets hard when you have to be in a situation like this. And, you know, for the fact that the entire Liberal caucus has sort of been silent on this hypocrisy, I think it does set the movement back. I don't, I don't want to come across, I, I really don't want to come across as a partisan on this, even though it's tempting to do so because the hypocrisy is just so, so much. I want to go back to the woman who's involved in all of this. Look, she made this an, a, an issue of public record 20 years ago. So because of that, I think it is reasonable for the media to ask questions about this. But it's his handling of this situation, right? Her right to privacy should absolutely be respected. She has said that she does not want to be dragged into this. She needs to be respected. But what is wrong is how he handled this. It was him completely not setting himself to his own standard that invited more questions from the media, right? Mm-hmm, because right, he, has made, exactly. he has made a track record of this in the past. And that is what upsets me. It would have upset me if someone in my own party did this. It would have upset me if an NDP member did it. It has upset me when members of, you know, the media or other, because this is what sets the movement back. What we need to have is we need to have processes, due process, not the media, not trial by newspaper, but processes that people can complain in situations like this and then have due process applied so that you're not having people make vexatious complaints that ruin political careers or careers otherwise, but that also respect the rights and privacy of victims so that they don't have to. Like, I can't imagine being this woman right now, no, right? No, I mean, like, but I guess what is most disrespectful to her is that he, has, he just didn't address it, right? He just didn't say, look, this happened a long time ago. I apologize if she wants to come out and make more more complaints against me, I will subject to myself against the same process and standard that I put forward against everyone else. Until that time, I am not commenting further. That would have been acceptable. This speculation and and trying to say that, you know, somehow his, his introspection is, is how we should be supporting victims is wrong. And I'm just, to anybody in the media who's saying otherwise, you know, I was having this, I, I, was, I was in a war of words with a, a global news reporter this morning who said that he should have said nothing. And that the media shouldn't be asking him questions. That's just wrong for all of the reasons that I just stated. So we're having a real moment in this country. We're either real about this or we're not. And it's messy. And it's not dignified. But the right of that, the, the right of that victim to her silence 
is should be enshrined, but it should also he it is a matter of public record. And the prime minister, our self-proclaimed feminist in chief, partisanship aside, if he is not held to account to the same standards that he set, it sets this movement back and it sends a message to women who have had encounters with men of his stature and power that they, they why would any woman want to come forward after watching how this has played out for the last couple of weeks? And that's my brand of feminism. Yeah. And, and this isn't about partisanship. I'm just I'm so deeply frustrated that we're even having a discussion about what is right and wrong in this situation because it's pretty clear to most people instinctively. Yeah, he made it about himself. He made the I, issue about himself. There's one thing, Roy, that you cannot spin in politics. Because especially when you are paid by the Canadian public to be a public servant, and that is hypocrisy. It is better just to say at the front end, I don't, you know what, I'm not perfect on this. I don't, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to work really hard to get this right. Trudeau has cashed in a lot. He's put a lot. He's got a lot of political capital internationally with his feminist, quote-unquote, bona fides, right? So it, it is absolutely... It is absolutely imperative and fair that we question those in moments like this, because otherwise, you actually set the movement back. You actually create barriers to equality of opportunity. And that is not just about him. It's about if you are going to make, if you are going to cash in, if you are going to cash in on some sort of an issue with sanctimony, then you better be ready. You better be ready to stand up for that when the going gets tough. I have been in those situations, and it is not easy. You, you get crapped on from all sides. You do. But you just, you have to stand up for what's right. And that is, and that's where I think he's failed in this situation. And look, I'm saying this as a woman, not as a conservative. I'm saying this as a woman who have had friends who have been sexually assaulted. I'm saying this as a woman who has standed up, stood up for women who have been sexually harassed and have no recourse for going forward. I have actually stood up and, 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 and in private circles has said, look, I think one of the things that Trudeau has done that is right is actually bring feminism and equality of opportunity to the forefront. Even if I don't agree with his policies, the discussion is good. But what has happened in the last couple of weeks is not good. It is bad. And it, you can tell I'm very emotional about this right now because it's something that's worth getting frustrated and furious about. So if the woman who has, you know, the woman at the center of this has, is listening to this today. I'm so sorry that you have had to be re-victimized on this. But it, it, it isn't about her. It, it, we have to respect her right to privacy, but we have to hold this prime minister to account as well for cashing in on being a feminist and then doing the opposite when the going gets tough. And that's what we need more. We need, we need our leaders to do better. I can only say thank you for what you've just shared with us because it couldn't have been said more eloquently and more appropriately and more directly. I think we've all learned from you today to bring this back into a sharp focus and a proper focus. And thank you, Michelle. I'm sorry, Roy. It's just, um... It matters. Can you, can you stay with us a couple of minutes longer? I, yeah, I know you're very busy. That's a flipping yeah, why don't, why don't you yeah. do that? But I, I thank you for joining us. There will be more, no doubt. There's more to come on this. And the prime minister said something yesterday, which I can't let go. It's only one sentence. I think people understand that every situation is different, and we have to reflect and take seriously every situation on a case-by-case basis. And that's exactly what we're endeavoring to do in any range of situations that come forward. I read that. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I read this man having concerns. Somebody else 
may step up. The Roy Green Show podcast is the only podcast hosted by Roy Green, which makes sense. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Beverly Engel, practicing psychotherapist and author of 22 books. And I know, Beverly, thank you for taking the time, and I know that you have an interest in this particular story because you asked me questions about it, which I try to answer by way of email. So what is your overall sense based on what you've absorbed about this particular situation as it's developed, not just 18 years ago, but over the last few weeks? Well, it's it's really sad because, uh, you know, it's not unusual for politicians to to squirm around to get away, you know, to get away from taking responsibility. Um, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't take responsibility. I think everybody would respect him a lot more if he said something to the effect that, you know, I'm sorry, my my uh, actions were inappropriate. Uh, I've learned a lot since then. Or, you know, I need to think more about this and get more education. Or something where he takes responsibility and acknowledges, you know, that that he was wrong and that and then sets out something that he's going to do about it to change himself. What does this say about his character? Well, I don't know. You know, I, um, <laughs> again, it's so common and it's, it's, I'm not minimizing at all, it, it, at all, but, you know, I am going to generalize and say that, you know, men in power, and maybe women too, we just don't know yet, uh, but men in power do seem to feel entitled to take advantage of women. Um, they seem to be able to, you know, they seem to feel that they have the right to grope women and say things to women and, you know, even assault women. And it's a, you know, it's a long story. It's much more common here, I think, in the U.S., but it may not be more common. It's It's been more exposed in the U.S., let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it says about his individual character, um, but it does seem to be common with, with men in authority. Can a man truly not know if he's crossed the line in his physical actions toward a woman? Well, yes and no. Uh, again, if you have a man who's been raised uh, in privilege, you have a man who's been given power to the point where he doesn't even need to question his actions. If we have a man who's gotten away with a lot in the past, then sure, we can have a man who just figures he has a right to do that. Uh, and we often find that, again, men in power often don't have a lot of shame. I mean, our president is the epitome of shamelessness. Um, he doesn't even seem to know when he's done something horrific, you know. Uh, so, yes, there are people who are shameless. There are people who don't know what they're doing uh, because they, they've they never been corrected. No one's ever told them that it was wrong. Um, so I don't know about Trudeau's character, but I do know there are a lot of men in power who are entitled, who keep getting away with it, like Harvey Weinstein, and who may legitimately, you know, be so entitled that they really don't understand what they did wrong. That's very interesting because I I wanted to ask you whether you think that Trudeau now understands or is beginning to understand that he is wrong, that 
his excuses are falling largely on deaf ears across this country. There are those people who feel that he uh, was too young to know what he was doing at 28 years of age, which I cannot buy into. But do you think that uh, – do you think he's starting to want – does he have the capacity – I'm asking you questions which may be just impossible for you to answer, but in a, in a, in a, in a general sense, do you think a man in a situation like this who has all of this media attention paid to him, who has this accusation hanging over him, who has the editorial from the reporter that was written 18 years ago, constantly following him, and he's reminded about what took place, and I'm sure he remembers very well what happened. Do you think he can un- truly understand that what I did was wrong? Like, really not just say the words, but understand it. Well, hopefully in this day and age, with all the, you know, information out and with the publicity about the Me Too movement, Time Step movement, hopefully he is now learning. Um, But when he groped her, he really may have felt like it was mutual. He's a very attractive man, um, and he may have groped other women in the past who, obviously, who didn't uh, protest. And he may have just thought that's the way things are, that, you know, there's lots and lots of men who, who believe that you grope first and ask questions later. But here you are, you 18, here you are 18 years later. You've been the prime minister yeah. of Canada for more than two years. Yeah. You've traveled the country. You've traveled the world talking about how you're a feminist, about, and you've been very pious about your position, about how women always must be believed and that there's no statute of limitations for misbehaving as far as, or misconduct as far as men's behavior toward women is concerned. You've made all this, these statements, and then it all collapses because you're the exact person you've been pointing the finger at, and you still right. have difficulty saying, I'm sorry, I did it. What you're saying is, right. when, he, when he says, I don't believe there was a negative interaction, and then later... There was no negative, I can't remember a negative interaction. Who talks that way? Right. Who talks right. that way? Right. Well, who talks that way Or again, politicians and men in power. I don't know if yeah. you <laughs> happened to hear uh, Bill Clinton's latest debacle when he was asked about the Me Too movement and about Monica Lewinsky. But he, he hummed around and huffed around and never did say he was and said he didn't feel like he owed her a, an apology and I he came that. off, you know, really terribly. So it's not unusual. Uh, I'm not defending it, but it's not unusual. And I'm sure that Trudeau is just, you know, horribly humiliated because his own actions have come back to haunt him, especially if he's been saying all the things that you say he's been saying. So, yeah, yeah. he would do much better if he just admitted that he was at fault, and he's learned since then, and he's going to continue learning. Uh, the men who come forward in the United States who said things like, you know, I was wrong then, and I'm going to spend some time now educating myself or educating myself, but I'm going to work to be a better man. Those people have been more respected than the ones who keep denying. Beverly Engel, thank you so much for the time. I've enjoyed talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Beverly Engel. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The Roy Green Show Podcast. Ready and waiting for you anywhere, anytime. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Google Play today. With us now is uh, Tom Quicken, who is a fairly regular contributor to this program. Uh, he has the uh, his, his podcast. We'll talk about that in a second. And he's a former Canadian military intelligence officer, former intelligence contractor for the RCMP, and a court-appointed expert on terrorism in both the federal and criminal courts of Canada. He's the author of Submission, the danger of political Islam to Canada with a warning to America. I was uh, quite interested in a column that you wrote for the investigativeproject.org, Tom. Canada is funding and supporting terrorism front groups with taxpayer money. And you mentioned uh, Ikra Khalid, the Liberal Member of Parliament, who talked about $23 million going to some multicultural programs in Canada. Are you drawing a line between what uh, the MP said and where the money's going? Well, this is interesting, Roy. Ikra Khalid announced $23 million uh, in funding for a multicultural program, which was, she very clearly stated, was related to the M103 anti-Islamophobia program. But the two groups that she mentioned that really jumped to mind are Islamic Relief Canada and the National Council of Canadian Muslims. Um, Islamic Relief is particularly interesting because if you go onto Google or something like that, you can find several major sources which are credible and reliable that say Islamic Relief Canada and its parent group, Islamic Relief Worldwide, funds terrorism. So the United Arab Emirates, which is a Sunni Muslim Arab Gulf state, says it's a terrorist funding group. The state of Israel came to the same conclusion. Uh, HSBC Bank, one of the world's 10 largest banks, has cut off Islamic Relief, saying it's a terrorism funding outfit, as has UBS Bank of Switzerland, another very large organization. Here in Canada, the Financial Post pulled Islamic Relief Canada off their preferred charities list, quoting concerns about terrorism funding. And then we had Lorenzo Vadino in the Canadian Senate testifying that Islamic Relief is one of the largest Muslim Brotherhood front groups in Canada and notorious for its, you know, uh, terrorism funding. So it's quite startling to see Ikra Khalid uh, saying that we're going to take taxpayers' money and give it to an organization which is globally to be a terrorist funding outfit. One would think that if public money is going to go to a, a group in Canada, you'd expect that group to be above board or perhaps even a little better than average. But nonetheless, Roy, here's where we're at. Uh, your taxpayers or your tax dollars are going towards funding groups which are known to fund terrorism. And how does this, uh, how does this, uh, this group def- define itself? Ah, well, it's an interesting outfit. There's Islamic Relief Worldwide, which is the parent organization in the United Kingdom. Uh, it operates in a couple of dozen different countries, one of which is Canada through its local affiliate, Islamic Relief Canada. Now, in fairness to them, they do do some valid charity work, which is typically disaster relief or refugees, that sort of thing. But unfortunately, they keep getting caught funding terrorism as one of their secondary activities. What's even more stunning, though, in all of this is that Prime Minister Trudeau, 
knowing full well that this organization is a problem, has actually gone to do volunteer work for them so he can get his picture taken showing how he helps Islamic Relief. So the idea that, you know, the government of Canada wasn't aware of who Islamic Relief was or is not aware of their activities is, is just nonsense. Um, this is a known problem, but yet we go ahead and do it anyway. And one would think that uh, Ms. Khalid would know what the organization is about if the money is being directed toward them. And uh, part, part of the rationale is M103. Yes, well, it's interesting. I mean, this is supposed to be anti-Islamophobia, but um, it maybe Ikra Khalid could, you know, if she was actually serious about Islamophobia, maybe she could start denouncing some of the organizations that fund terrorism in Canada, although that's unlikely to happen. For instance, Ikra Khalid announced her candidacy for the Liberal Party and her seat as an MP at the Islamic Society of North America, which just about a year and a half before that had lost its charity status for, guess what, funding terrorism. Uh, also worth noting, just on offside, that uh, Ikra Khalid claims that she wrote the Constitution for the Muslim Student Association at York University, which very clearly defines itself as both Salafist um, and uh, it defines itself quite clearly as a Salafist organization that supports Sharia. So it's not like Ikra Khalid is a babe in the woods or she's a stranger to these issues. In fact, her entire political career and student career are wrapped up in them. So for her to claim ignorance in anything like this would just be like virtually impossible. Any of the other political parties mentioned uh, anything about this, Tom? Uh, so far, we've seen pretty much stunning silence. It's getting picked up, as you mentioned, in some of the overseas press. Uh, and I have, I've actually had somebody in the United Arab, Emirates, United Arab Emirates call me and say, well, this must be a mistake. This can't be happening. And I said, no, in fact, it's real. Um, so far, however, from what I can tell, uh, stunning silence from the government of Canada. And uh, remind us, please, how we can access your blog. Um, there is something we're working on right now. The Quiggin Report is a podcast. Uh, episodes 17 and 18 both deal exactly with this issue of funding Islamic relief uh, through the M103 anti-Islamophobia thing. And then we also have been examining how uh, Islamic relief is being funded through the Canada Summer Jobs Program, where there is also a large amount of money going to organizations which are known to be either in favor of funding terrorism, have funded terrorism, or have terrorist groups as their parent organizations. And I take it you'd be more than happy to speak with uh, MP Khalid on this program anytime if she wants to. Oh, <laughs> Roy, that would be a wonderful thing. I have a lot of questions I would like to ask her. All right, Tom, thank you for the time. Cheers. Thanks, Roy. Tom Quiggin. Hit up Apple Podcasts or Google Play and subscribe to the Roy Green Show podcast. With Roy, you want when you want it. It is time for Michelle Simpson, a former Liberal Member of Parliament and former seatmate to the Prime Minister during question period to join us. Catherine Swift, workingcanadians.ca. She was the CEO and President of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And Linda Leatherdale was the editor of the Money section for the Toronto Sun, is vice president of Cambria, Canada now. They're the beauties. I'm the other part of that thing. Uh, welcome, beauties. And, Michelle, before we say anything else, do you want to hear again what we just played by Mr. Trudeau, or are you prepared to respond to what you heard? Uh, you know what? I'm prepared to respond. Okay. His story has changed three times. He's drop-kicked and thrown under the bus. Cabinet ministers and um, caucus members 
for less or maybe the equivalent. But he's got a set of rules for himself that don't apply to anyone else. And I, for one, am disgusted. You said to me on Thursday yeah. when I spoke with you, before I wrote my, my column in, uh, for my webpage, RoyGreenShow.com, I asked you for a comment about Mr. Trudeau. And you said this to me, Justin Trudeau is pushing the bounds of credibility. Now, that was before yesterday. Oh. That's before we had the statement from the reporter. And then we heard the baffledy goobledy gab from, uh, from the prime minister. Um, this is a man you know. This is a man you sat beside during question period uh, day after day. This is a man you spoke with personally. Is what happened over the last weeks a surprise to you? Is this out of character for him, or is it no. something that just didn't no, surprise you at it's all? it's not a surprise to me, but he raised the bar, and you know what? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Except... That's he's, my position. He's still around. Now, what do you think is going to happen within that caucus? Do you think there's going to be anybody, anybody in that caucus who's going to be sufficiently put off, sufficiently disturbed, perhaps sufficiently revolted by what's been going on, that that person will say, I'm not going to accept this anymore. I have to speak out publicly. I'll have to take my lumps, and I'll have to leave this caucus. Will that happen? Oh, I don't think in a million years, because they've got the majority, and they're all aspiring to be a cabinet minister. Okay. Linda Leatherdale, what has this, what's the impact been on you? Now, you said something to us on this program a few weeks ago. You've said it twice, actually. And we were talking about the issue of men um, sexually harassing women. And you told us that not so long ago, like just fairly recently, you were being harassed by an individual and you told him to get lost. And he said, be thankful that somebody's still interested in you. Words to that effect. <laughs> I, when I, I still think back to that, and I think, what an arrogant SOB. Well, you know, there's still a lot of jerks out there. Okay, boy, so when you, when, taking that experience that you had, right. and I know it's happened to you more than once in, in, in your lifetime yes. um, in, in media, and uh, it's happened to all three of you, yes. but... Taking that experience and then extrapolating that and then looking at what's happened uh, with the Prime Minister of Canada and this developing story about the reporter in B.C. who's now been forced by the attention paid to her. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I've talked about it a lot as well. But she's been forced to uh, identify herself or felt that she was. She felt it was – I get – from what I get from her is she felt she wanted to reinforce – that what she said and what she wrote in the year 2000 was accurate. She wanted to reinforce that and not let it be pushed aside. What is your feeling about what's going on? Well, you know, absolutely everybody has the right to speak out. And certainly um, coming from the leader who has ostracized some of his own uh, for any innuendo of sexual harassment, I mean, he cannot be an exception here at all. Um, and good for her for, for standing up. I guess the only comment I want to make, and yes, I have been harassed, harassed, so have the other beauties. 
this hashtag me too. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick of it, Roy. I, I'm getting sick of it. Trudeau was a young, how old, in his late 20s. He wasn't married. 28. I don't know all the details. But, you know, we've got a whole bunch of issues with some very high-profile people who have been accused and gone to a court of law and found guilty of actually accosting women. That's wrong. But now we're playing the lynching, the whip, witch, mob, hunt, and I'm just getting a little fed up with it, I just got to say. Um, it's just going, it's overwhelming now. Um, Trudeau does have to stand, and he has got to face up to anything that he did. Absolutely, he should not be given a free ride here. But again, I just think this movement, I, I'd, be, I'd be afraid to be a man today, Roy. I wouldn't even, and if you saw the picture of Justin Trudeau in the paper with some, I don't know who they were, all these women, he was holding on to his thumb. He didn't know where to put his hands now. People, it's just gotten out of hand, I think. Well, apparently he knew where to put his hands 18 years ago, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> but come on, were you not young yeah. and single? No, hey. no, 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 no. L- Linda, let me, re- let me read you what, what, this, what the reporter wrote. Yes, okay, and that is it. That, this is key here. Shouldn't Absolutely. the son, yep. this is what you wrote 18 years ago. Yeah. Shouldn't the son of the former prime minister be aware of the rights and wrongs that go along with public socializing? Didn't he learn through his vast experiences in public life that groping a strange young woman isn't in the handbook of proper etiquette, regardless of who she is, what her business is, or where they are? So. Yeah, and that's right. And she should stand by that. Yes. Yeah, well, although I I agree with Linda in the sense that it has gotten insane in terms of Me Too or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that everybody's afraid to do anything anymore. That being said, in the, in the Trudeau case, it, it is a pretty special case. Yeah, we all did dumb things when we were younger, yeah, but he set the bar. He, you know, he made this a non-negotiable for everybody else, seemingly. And then suddenly, when he's finding himself on the receiving end, it's negotiable. No, I'm sorry. He has, to my mind, he's lost all credibility. Absolutely. He, he hung his hat on this. I mean, if he hadn't have done that. I'm sorry, I do believe it would have been different. Not that it's acceptable, but it would have been different. But he has been so sanctimonious and so condescending to everybody else. And even his responses, you played a little bit of it earlier there, Roy, you know, trying to say, we need to do this. We, no, 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 no. This isn't about we, Justin. This is about you. You. And and I think the more he talks, you know, the old the old saying, if you're in a hole, stop digging. Well, he, he, he keeps digging. Everything he says digs that hole even deeper. And boy... Do you think it, the other interesting thing I saw on social media last week, which is very true, is this wasn't something exclusively the opposition is pouncing on. Indeed, it was a liberal who first really publicized this. A former liberal, Warren Kinsella. Warren Kinsella. Well, he he, he hinted he he hinted at it. He he, well, he hinted at and it. He's, and if, I follow him on Twitter, and, and he's been hammering pretty hard. So that's what's interesting to me too. Is yeah, opposition will always take whatever pot yeah. shot, no matter who they are, no matter what party. Let me play but you. Here, let me let me play liberal. you. Let me play you ten seconds of Mr. Trudeau talking about whether something has a time limit, whether there's a an expiration date. The, the standard applies to everyone. There is no. Uh, there is no context in which uh, someone doesn't have responsibility for things they've done in the past. So, Michelle, let me let me ask you to wrap it up for us, Michelle. It's ridiculous. He said he set the bar, and then he's decided it doesn't apply to him. The same way a number of things don't apply. 
apply to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I, for one, am tired of it. You know, if you go to RoyGreenshow.com and you have a listen to what um, Michelle Rempel told us today, I think you'll all three be very impressed. And she took it from a nonpartisan perspective. It was really excellent. We're going to play it back tomorrow, but it's available. The uh, It's there at RoyGreenshow.com in the podcast. You can download, you can listen. So this trade war situation that uh, that's ongoing, the one that the world is shuddering about is the United States and China. The one that we're shuddering about is the one that is involving us in the United States. And what might happen if we're looking at uh, 25% tariff on cars from Canada entering the U.S.? Catherine, you're the uh, economist. You're the former CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. You've got your finger on the pulse of the small and medium-sized businesses in this country that do the majority of the hiring. What is your perspective and what is happening now? What is going on in the minds of the people who are the entrepreneurs who've invested their own money and their own futures in their business and now see this developing? Well, it's the, it's the worst possible thing, which is massive uncertainty. Uh, even if you have negative certainty, you can plan for it. Ideally, you have positive certainty. <laughs> That's even better. But the, the, the massive uncertainty that all businesses, small, large, you know, medium, whatever, face right now is, is deadly for an economy. People don't invest. They don't hire. You know, it just freezes them right up. And, and it, it, let's not forget, the 1930s, the dirty 30s, that horrible depression was precipitated by a global trade war. And the kind of protectionist, beggar thy neighbor, as the old saying goes, policies, and no good will come of it for anyone. Maybe people feel good in the short run, like maybe Trump thinks, I'm going to whack these guys. And it'll hurt America, too. It'll hurt the U.S. It'll hurt everyone. And, you know, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face is what it is, basically. And, and it's it's just... Very, very problematic because emotions are running high, so people do stupid, irresponsible things, and then the later they, they see the results later and go, holy moly, you know, what did we do here? Yeah. Uh, just on the uh, the Great Depression, was it, I, I, I'm not sure about this, was it a case of the of the trade war extending the Great Depression or starting it? No, it, it precipitated it, basically. Okay, so... Unemployment at the worst reached uh, 25%. Yeah, that's awful. 25%. Everyone's seen photographs of the the soup lines and the bread lines, and it's just just terrible. Um, Linda, you did a money feature, economics feature for for years. What's uh, what's your concern about this? Well, I think she hit the nail on the head, Catherine. Um, The biggest war we've ever had... Um, was back in 1930, and that is when they brought in the Tariff Act. And the 1930s, as you know, we were heading into the Great Depression. It did make it worse, Roy. It made it far worse. But here's what worries me, and there's other analysts and financial analysts who have looked at this. This ended up in a world war, World War II. And my fear is I think we all should run for cover. I mean, now it's tit for tat and back and forth, and we're bringing in China and we've got our own concerns. I mean, here in Canada, if there is a tariff on our auto industry, come on. Not only could we see the Great Depression again, but I believe we could see a war. And we've seen... Oh, you're a, you're a cheerful little gal today, aren't you? And Reagan, he imposed stuff on Japan in the 1980s and eventually backed off. In the 1990s, the World Trade Organization, which came out of this 1930s mess put stricter rules on force, and then George Bush tried to put steel tariffs in 2002, and he had to back down. Okay. But I don't see the backing down. Catherine, what's happened to her? 
Linda, I don't know. She's, she's on some strange uh, What's mission happened? here. What's am, happened to am Linda? I must be a bad day. Is there a bad day, Linda? I mean, really. <laughs> am I overstating it? Is there a possibility? No, uh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just pulling. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm and just... I mean, there's never one cause, right? There's always a multiplicity yeah, of causes. Yeah. But, but the, 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 the whole notion that you're going to whack the other guy, he's going to whack you back, you eat up the ante, eat up the ante. It's a zero-sum game. So here's the question. Here's the question, though. Michelle, I'm going to direct this your way because you're such a strong supporter of the policies of Donald Trump. Oh. <laughs> I, want, I, want to, I want to ask you, is the simple way to preclude a trade war and Armageddon uh, is just to listen to Trump and recognize his whole approach is to make America great again, whatever that means to different, means different things to different people. You can't get around the fact that he's the president of the United States. He wields immense power. He has an objective. He has people around him who support him on this. Many Americans feel very strongly about it as well. It's the solution to listen to Trump and approach it from, okay, we're going to give some. Here's what we, here's what we think we can give. Is, is, that, is that acceptable to you? Or is that just waving the white flag and it won't matter? Well, no, I think, I think that's acceptable because negotiations are give and take. But in Trump's case right now, it's his way or the highway. He's, in, he's uh, imposed tariffs. And then when there's any kind of response, it's like, don't you dare do that. And why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't Canada? Why wouldn't China? Why wouldn't the EU? Because, you know, we're all going to go down the uh, path to perdition. But isn't, the, isn't it fair to say, Catherine, we have about, oh, we only have 20 seconds. Isn't it fair to say that the United States has been involved, at least in some trade realities that have been negative for the country and that they have an argument? Well, they do, and I think it goes beyond just trade. I mean, the U.S., as we know, have been huge NATO. to NATO, the U.N., all these international agencies. They're massive contributors. They, they, they punch above their weight big time. But, again, though, you know, they're going to hurt themselves as well. And, and yeah. all the posturing, it, it, it just it, it, it will end badly for everyone. Okay. And yeah. I think Canada should make some concessions, though, and I'll tell you, supply management. Like well, we got a dairy. Now we have a new. Uno. Now we have a new cliche starting. We used to say on the other hand, but now Catherine switched it around to on the other foot. <laughs> so we'll talk. We'll talk to you next weekend, beauties. Absolutely. Try to keep it out of our mouth, anyway. Take care. Bye bye. The Roy Green Show podcast is available wherever you find podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you like what you hear, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a review and tell a friend.